The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passions making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. You're with us. Acts 26. Acts 26, verse 12. If you're all there, say amen. Amen. Acts 20, 26, verse 12. You ready? Amen. We do have notes for you. They're being passed around as I speak. While thus occupied, as I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission from the chief priests, at midday, O king, along the road, I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun shining around me and those who journeyed with me. Verse 14. And when we'd all fallen to the ground... I heard a voice speaking to me, saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things of which you have seen and of the things of which, you will, which I will yet reveal to you. Verse 17. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I am now sending you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. I want you to read verse 18. It's on the screen. New King James. Are you ready? To open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you've done, the moving, the stirring of your spirit, healing people, touching people, the testimonies. Lord, we're so encouraged. Worship, you're great. And there is no one like you. Now, God, I pray that you would be so gracious to take a coal from your altar that you might place it upon my lips, that as I speak, it would burn faith in the hearts of your people, that we would never be the same, you getting all the praise and the glory and the honor. Thank you for what you're going to do in the remaining portion of this service and for what you've already done. We give you glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name, someone say amen. 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 You may be seated. We've been preaching a series called 2020 Vision. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, without vision, my people perish. There are many who are not flourishing because they have no vision for their life. They have no purpose in their life. There are people that are aimless, that are depressed, that are lying around wondering what their existence is all about. One of the the number two best-selling book of all time is a book called The Purpose Driven Life by a friend of mine, Pastor Rick Warren wrote the book. He talks about when he wrote it, it was just like the power of God just came on him and he wrote it feverishly. And it, and it is the number two selling me. So what's the number one selling me? The Bible. Bible. Ever since it came off of Gutenberg's printing press, the Bible, which you have on your iPhone or your iPad or your Android or holding it in your hand, I still like my leather bound edition. Hallelujah. As long as you don't have the New World Translation, it's all good. There's some other translations you shouldn't have either. Let's not get us another message. Ever since it was printed, it's been the number one bestseller. And we've been preaching and teaching along the lines of vision as we've entered into what's called the one, two, three vision. I want you to say that. One, two, three. Say it again. One, two, three. The one stands for one church a year. We're going to plant from KC, Alaska, one church a year. Two stands for two missions trips. And I'm believing that we're going to give 5% of our total income to missions. So how how many mission trips? Two. We're going to Philippines. That's already planned. We still need to plan the second one. And then giving to missions, which you all did today. Some of you. Some of you will maybe do it later. And three, 3,000 people. What? 3,000 people. In the next five years, I'm going to believe 
I am believing that here at KC Wasilla, KC Alaska, we will minister to 3,000 people a week. You say, that's, that's not your thing. Yes, it's possible. It is. Yeah. People are hungry. People are desperate. You can also think of it in terms of 300 liters. Think of it that way. All right. One, two, three. Say it again. One, One two, two, three. Three. And so we've been preaching along lines of vision. If you were to take the Apostle Paul, who we read about here in Acts 26, summarize his life and give, put one word to his life, what would it be summarized by? It, I believe it'd be summarized by the word vision. The man was driven to do what God called him to do. He didn't look to the right or the left. Under a pile of stones, he still got up. He was just like, like the, 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 the ever-ready bunny, just unstoppable. Just kept going and going and going. The apostle at the apostle Paul's conversion, go ahead, look at your notes. Vision played a role. He's there. He committed the crime of killing the first, being a party to killing the first martyr, Stephen. The coats were laid at his feet. He gave his endorsement of the death of the first saint. And he then has these letters from the chief priest to go and persecute the church. It's interesting to me how when Jesus appears to him on the road, he gives him his, his vision, he gives him the vision for his life and his calling about what he's supposed to do. It's interesting to me that the Apostle Paul, who was then Saul, Saul, that was his name, got hit so hard by God and knocked the S off and put a P on. It's a joke. So Saul, a persecutor of the church, is then spoken to by the Lord and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Do you know when you speak against members of the body of Christ, when you speak against other churches, when you, listen, even if you didn't have a very good experience at some church or whatever, don't you live, put your mouth on it. Okay, that's foolish. That's it, that is. You just let God sort it out. It's his church. You can actually be persecuting Jesus by speaking against the church. I'm gonna camp on this just for a second. It says in Corinthians, and I'd have, to, I'd have to go look, but it talks about those of you who destroy the temple of God, that God will destroy him also. Now, before I studied that, I thought that was talking about the temple. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? Because that is not the context of that scripture that I'm referring to. I want to say it's uh, 2 Corinthians, but I, I need to go look. He says that you, God will destroy him who destroys the temple of God. He's talking about the church. The nios of God, the dwelling place of God. That when saints come together, that, that's called the church. This has nothing to do with the building. That when there's a gathering of saints together, that's called the dwelling place of God. Or the assembly of God is another way to say it. It's the, it's the nios, the nios of God. It's the dwelling place where God dwells among us by the Spirit. And what he's saying in Corinthians, if those of you who backtalk the dwelling place of God by the Spirit, then you end up in big trouble. Very good. Let's move into the text that we're actually preaching on. That might be for somebody, though. All right. Nobody's laughing. But that's, it's, it's not really funny. Oh, God's going to destroy you if you back talk against the church. All right. Vision. The Apostle Paul's conversion. He, he had this vision. He was told what, what he should do. And then this guy, Ananias, who we never hear before or after, is spoken to by God and goes and ministers to Saul, who have scales falls from his eyes. But he hears about the same vision that God spoke to him about. Over three years after his conversion, right there in the notes, Paul was in Jerusalem. God reaffirmed vision to him in Acts 22. So the Apostle Paul's whole life surrounds about vision. You have to have vision. If you don't have vision, you're blind. Come on, someone say you've got to have vision. You've got to. What is the vision that you have for your life? What is your life about? Why are you breathing? Why are you here? What are you, what are you, what are you about? I said at the first service, I'll say it again. If you were just to get saved, you're just to have your sins forgiven, then the moment you prayed, Lord, forgive me of my sin, I believe you died on a cross, rose again from the grave, you'd be like, oh, and you'd fall over and you'd die. And that would be it. It's not just about being saved. It's about fulfilling the purpose for which you were born. You have a purpose. You have a plan. God has a plan for you. He said, well, pastor, I... I I've never really had God speak to me like that. That's okay. If you're breathing today in the service, 
know that you're made in God's image and God's likeness. And God wants to use you. God wants to use you by the very fact that you're alive and the very fact that God exists means that he has something for you to do. And we're calling that vision. It really is the key to a passionate life. Oh, I mean, there's more. There's prayer, intimacy with God, living for him, serving him. But to the Apostle Paul, look at your notes, Roman numeral 2, a visionary was was a man on assignment. He was given an assignment. And the assignment for the Apostle Paul as well as for us, by the way, if the vision you have for your life you can accomplish by yourself, it's too small, and that's your vision, it's not God's. Because you will always find in Scripture, God speaks to a man, speaks to a person, speaks to a woman, speaks to somebody, gives them a vision, and that particular vision can never really be accomplished all by themselves. It's always a group of people that God will assemble to that vision to get it done. That is certainly the case here at KC, and it was certainly the case for the Apostle Paul. It was bigger than himself. And he's always encouraging people. He's always recruiting people. One of the ways you know you've gotten around a visionary is somebody driven by purpose, is that they're always trying to pull people into their cause. Minister Chris has is, is, uh, been our children's minister and he is going to be moving to Maui here in a few weeks and Pastor Kirsten Davis is on the Alcan just like you all just drove so you can pray for him and he's driving up and he's coming up here with his five kids he's going to take over our whole children's ministry he's, he's the pastor that actually mentored Minister Chris Diamond who's been doing our children's ministry for the past 10 months both of these guys are interesting in that you cannot spend too much time around them before they're recruiting you into doing what they're doing they're constantly so what are you doing on Wednesday night um uh, great why don't you come help us in children's ministry then we put them through FBI background checks and fingerprint them and then if everything works out okay then they go into children's ministry amen but it was a vision vision everybody say vision Vision. fulfilling vision was dependent upon three ongoing uh, uh three ongoing things or instructions that you'll you'll see in the apostle Paul's life and I will tell you as God speaks to you about the vision for your life maybe even today Understand that there are basically three things that I've categorized that are important for you to have. And I'll prioritize them too. If you don't have these three things, you're not going to get it done. You need these three things. The first thing you need to get the vision from, this is bonus, write it on the, in the margin. The first thing you need is you need the anointing. You need the enablement. You need the God empowerment to get it done. If you do it in the arm of the flesh, you will not be able to do God stuff in the arm of the flesh. You can't, how much, you can't do miracles. You can't heal anybody. If you think you can, then you're deceived. Amen. God is the one that uses us like male men or male women as the case may be. He pours out his spirit on all flesh and he uses us as we step forward. It's the enablement of the Holy Spirit that allows for miracles. If you're going to do the vision that God has for you, if we're going to get the one, two, three done, we need the anointing, the enablement, the God empowerment. That's number one. Number two, you need money. Everybody say money. Come on, hit your neighbor and say, you got any money? Give me 20 bucks. I'll make the service worthwhile. Go ahead. I'm just teasing you. Don't do that. (laughs) Don't borrow money from people either. That's not biblical. Somebody say amen. amen. You need money, though. If you're going to get something done, you need, you need money to do it. And the third thing is people. Everybody say people. People. You need the anointing, the God enablement. You need finances, and you need people. If you're going to get, the, if you're going to get anything done for God, you need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. You need money, and you need people. Those three things are needed in every single vision that God gives anybody worldwide. Resources. The anointing. Finances or resources, people. And to the Apostle Paul, as he moved forward, he needed ongoing instruction, and so do you. So do I. We all need ongoing instruction, and that came a number of different ways. Write it your notes through a prophetic word. Through a prophetic word, he would receive to encourage him, to strengthen him, to ready him. Constantly hearing, you gotta, you walk with. Look, he speaks to you. He doesn't stop speaking. In fact, there's a big German theological word, but I can't remember it. But it means this, word, event, word. It is the nature of God to act that way. That is how God responds. He speaks, he acts, he speaks again. He never gives the entire picture. He'll cast vision. 
There'll be pieces of it. We all prophesy in part. The apostle Paul said, word, event, word. He spoke to Moses. I've heard my cry. I've called you to be the deliverer. He was reluctant, like we feel like him sometimes, don't we? He goes. God performs miracles, brings about deliverance. They come back to the mountain of God, and then he gets the next set of instructions. And that is exactly how God moves, word, event, word. If you're going to be used by God, exactly like the apostle Paul, you need ongoing instruction. And I believe one of those ways is through the prophetic word. The second way is through the inner witness. Go ahead, write that in your notes. The inner witness of the spirit. In Acts 15, verse 22, then it pleased the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul. It it pleased them. It seemed pleasing between them and the congregation. A little bit further on in Acts 15, 28, talks about the, the Jerusalem decree. And it said it seemed good between good between them and the Holy Spirit that they should not burden the Gentiles with anything except don't be sexually immoral, don't drink blood, don't worship idols. And they said we're not going to burden them with anything else. It's an important moment as those who came to, to tell them they had to be circumcised, those of the circumcision. And they say, no, it seems good between us. We, we talked about it. We, we feel good about it. It's one of the ways that God leads you. It's one of the ways that God gives you instruction. Listen, we went fishing. We went dip net. We had our dip net trip, and it was awesome, and the fish were um, not so running. But, you know, we go for other reasons, I think. Amen. Praise God. Anyway, great fellowship. Uh, The fish were not running like we had hoped. But we trust that God knows what he's doing. Amen? So... I had the opportunity to get on a boat this early, one early morning on Wednesday. I was going to get on a boat and be in Kenai and do, you know, dip netting from a boat, which is, which is nice. And so I just couldn't get peace. I mean, I couldn't get peace about it. I, I wanted, oh, I, I wanted to, because I knew they were going to run. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I'm an eternal optimist. So they're going to run. They're going to run tonight. <laughs> Except they didn't run. Anyway, I knew they were going to run on, on, on that Wednesday. And so I couldn't get peace. I could get no peace, and I could get no sleep, and I wrestled with the Lord. You know, it's a hard thing when you really want to do something. I mean, like, you personally really want to do it, and the Lord's like, "Uh uh-uh. But you really want to do it, and I really wanted to catch some fish, and I just wanted to go, and I wanted to outfish Pastor Alex, and... (laughs) I couldn't get any peace, so I prayed, and finally I just said, okay. I cancel. I'm not going. And so I sent the text to the precious brother that invited me on his boat. I sent the text and said, I, I, I can't go. And, and I explained to him, and of course he was fine with it. But the second I pressed sent, I send. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Do you ever see older people text? <laughs> Did you ever see? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> the next generation might be born with just thumbs. I'm not sure. <laughs> anyway. So a second I press send, you'll notice I was like this. And the second I press send, I felt like I had peace all over me. I was just like, oh, thank you, God. I was like, immediately I have restoration of joy, restoration of peace. And it was like an angel came and just clubbed me and I went, slept and had an awesome sleep. You need ongoing instruction, I believe, through prophetic word. You'll see it in scripture number two, the inner witness. God will lead you through peace. Listen, I drive, I drive home this way. I, I, I know it's crazy, but I wear I, the, the clothes I wear. I wear stuff I want to wear. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yes. So when I look, I'm like, I feel like I feel good about wearing that today. I'm going to wear a tie. No tie today. It seemed good between them and the Holy Spirit. Listen, some of you don't know what it is to hold your peace, to walk in the peace of the Lord. It is one of the great ways that God leads you, their inner witness. Come on, somebody say yes. Third way, the third way is vision, uh, pardon me, the third way is through dreams and visions. Thank you. And this is important. In Acts chapter 16, it says, now they'd gone through Acts 16 verse 6. 
Now, when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word to Asia, which is an amazing scripture to me. You say, why is that? Because we know that God's word says it is his will, his desire that none would perish, but all would come to repentance. So is it God's will that the gospel is preached all over the world to every nation, every tribe, and every tongue? Yes. Read Matthew 24. It's a criteria for his return and the end that every nation hears, that every person hears. Right? So is it always God's will that somebody hears the gospel? Say yes. yes. Well, interestingly enough, he's going to go to Asia and God says, uh-uh, no Asia. Because apparently it wasn't time or something was off. And so the Holy Spirit forbid them to go to Asia. Now that's not Asia as we know it. It's like Asia Minor. It's Ephesus and that whole area right there. It's not the Asia that like China. It's not, it's not like that. And if you look on the back of your Bible, you can see that. And Ephesus was where he was going to go. But the Holy Spirit forbid him to go there. Now watch this. He gets a, a vision of a Macedonian man. Now a vision is when you're awake. A dream is when you're sleeping. He has a vision of a Macedonian man. And the Macedonian man says, come over to us. And waves, come, come, come over to us. And he then concludes that the Holy Spirit wanted them to go to Macedonia, which is the church of Philippi that he plants. Watch this now. And you watch the Apostle Paul, who's then led by the Holy Spirit, in this case, a vision. And he leads them, and as he's led, he, he, he plants a church of Philippi, which becomes the biggest giving church. You need the anointing, you need money, you need people. Becomes the biggest giving church. That without the support of the church of Philippi, he wouldn't have been able to do what he did. They supported him. They, they, he then moved around. He got Priscilla and Aquila. He picked up an apostolic team. Watch this. And when the time was right, he then hit Asia, or what we now know as Ephesus. You say, what's so big about Ephesus? It is the biggest New Testament revival in all the New Testament. It's the biggest one. God pours out his spirit in Ephesus, and it literally becomes like a hub. I believe John actually became the bishop over that. And there's churches planted around that because of what took place in Ephesus. But he couldn't go before that. Why? Because though it was a part of the vision, the timing was wrong. The right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. Don't ever forget it. And he's led by the Spirit to go and do that. It's amazing to me. Listen, some of you all discouraged because it hasn't gone kaboom. Bam. There's no bam. Be patient. God's doing stuff. He's got to deal with the likes of you and me. He's got to deal with us. He's got to, sometimes he has to, he's got to, he's got to move people. He's got to get things right. You're like, when's it going to happen? Days like a thousand years. A thousand years is like a day. God says he'll be there in just a second. Hold on, just a second. Be there. Do the math. If you're my age, nearing 50 or 50 years old, if you do the math on that, you have about an hour and 35 minutes left of your life. If you're older than me, well, <laughs> well, just lift your hands to Jesus and say, hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> Dreams and visions. Vision moved him forward, moving on in the notes, and I'll conclude here shortly. Vision moved him forward. Vision will move you forward. You have vision for your life. It'll move you forward. Paul was stoned. That's, that is, if I can define that, underneath a pile of rocks because a bunch of people hated him, wanted them to shut up. And the disciples came around him and raised him. Acts 14 at Lystra. So here's this guy, Saul, who later is called Paul. It goes around preaching signs, miracles, not the eloquence of man, not the wisdom of man, but the demonstration of the power of the Spirit of God, which, by the way, if I, I believe, see that moment we took in the service, just that, 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 that little moment that we took? I believe more can happen in a moment like that that could ever happen even during the preaching word. Now, I love the word. I'm going to preach the word. We're never going to stop preaching the word. But you've got to have demonstration. Yes, Amen. Demonstration, Spirit, all you go, so he goes all over, moved by this vision to turn people from the power of Satan and darkness to the power of God and light. And he goes about doing all 
of this and he's driven and he does not stop. You can't stop him. How do you stop somebody that's driven by God in the vision? The truth is you can't. And even when you kill him, he enters into his reward. Vision. How's your vision? How's your passion? You have passion? Real vision from God will release passion in your life. And passion that doesn't wipe sleep from your eyes is weak passion indeed. That's not my quote. I heard that from some great preacher of a bygone era. My goodness, he's stoned. He's, 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 he's left for dead. And I believe that's when he had a third heaven encounter. I think he was dead. And I think the disciples around him, rose him raised him up from the dead. And he goes to the next place and does the same thing. He goes to the same, he, he leaves Lystra, dusts himself off, goes to the next city and preaches the same message. Amen. That to me is utterly amazing. Yeah. And I don't know, sometimes I've seen in the course of my serving the Lord, some kind of mamsy pamsy Christianity where people get bent out of shape because somebody didn't acknowledge their gift. I'm the evangelist. Pretend. I'll be the evangelist right now. You ready? Hallelujah. (laughs) Just pretend I'm not the pastor. So if you get offended, just keep coming back. All right? (laughs) I've seen people throw in the towel, quit their church because they didn't get picked they weren't allowed to sing, or they couldn't do their thing. They couldn't do their special, their, their special dance, their special... I, I mean, I've seen all kinds of stuff. I'm sure you have too, Pastor. And God knows I've been offended before too. And if you haven't been offended and you're a part of KC, well, offense is coming. Because it's part of your training. Amen. We don't offend you on purpose, but the Word of God offends. And Jesus spoke words that offend. And if you have things on the inside of you that need to be offended, we'll suck it up, buttercup, and just change. Don't get, don't get mad. Don't shake your finger. Get all irritated at somebody. Listen, if we haven't thanked you for laboring, for serving, then I give you a big thank you. And I mean that from my heart. Thank you. And, and you know, we could do better at that. We can. We could be better at, at acknowledging people. But the truth is, if you're living for the acknowledgement of men, you're not really doing it for God. And now God will set you up so you fall flat on your face so that you can then come to an experience, really, that man-pleasing is a snare. Come on. Come on, smile at me. Yeah, you're like... The fear of man brings a snare. We're supposed to do this for the Lord. And we need to be gracious, and we all need encouragement, and we all need to acknowledge each other. We do. We do. But the Apostle Paul gets rocked by a bunch of, a bunch of pagans... Jews combined, I think. I need to go look, but he's killed. And he gets up and does the same thing. Listen, don't, don't ever leave the church. No, we're not the only church. There's lots of great churches. Church universal. Always go to church. He said, well, the churches, some churches are unhealthy. Yes, absolutely true. But you still need to find one. Hello. Jesus went and they crucified him. <laughs> okay, that's not funny. If, if you don't like the church, um, you know, there's something wrong. If you don't like fellowship with unbelievers, something wrong with your salvation. You got to heal that. Amen. All right. Everybody say one, two, three. Pastor Alex, would you come, please? Be certain of uh, these spiritual realities, just like the Apostle Paul. And I'll, I'll go through this quickly for the sake of time. The Apostle Paul knew what happened beyond the grave. Know what happens beyond the grave. You will die. Every one of us here will die. Everyone, everyone here. Really? That's kind of morbid. I know, but it's true. Your heart will stop and you will die. Everyone has an expiration date. What date is that? We have no idea. No man knows. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, therefore, always being confident that we know that as long as we're home in the body, we're away from the Lord. But to be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord. He was, it was clear that there is, a, there is a real hell and there is a real heaven. In 2 Corinthians 5, 10, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. See, some people don't even know that there's a judgment. There's a judgment seat for the unbeliever. There, there's a judgment for the unbeliever. There's a judgment seat for the believer. In other words, you, as a believer, will stand before God, and He will have to give an account for the deeds done in your body, whether good or evil. 
And listen, what that means, it means every moment of your life is worth living. Everyone is worth living. Every moment's counted. You say, that's, that's kind of creepy. I know. It's sobering is really what it is. It's not creepy. It just means that this moment right now counts. When you resist the enemy, when you resist your flesh, it's seen. And actually, you'll be rewarded for it. And I don't think the rewards are so that you can just be like, what's up, man? You want to see my reward? What's up? Yeah, you know that's right. That's not the way that is. It's not a reward so we can gloat and show everybody our big fat trophy of denying your flesh. It's a reward, but I don't really know. But I think maybe it's proximity to the throne. It's a little closer to the throne because there's different places in heaven. I, I don't understand that either. Maybe Birgit can tell us about it. Oh, I read books and stuff, but nobody really knows until you get there. So you're going to be judged. Come on, look at your name. If you're a believer, well, you're going to be judged whether you're an unbeliever or a believer. If you're an unbeliever, well, you can make a decision to believe here in just a second. You can remedy that. The apostle Paul was certain, pardon me, of what takes place beyond the grave. In Acts 20, verse 26, he says, I'm innocent of the blood of all men. Wow. In 2 Corinthians, put this one up, chapter 5, verse 11, knowing the terror, knowing the terror of the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 11, knowing the what? Terror. Well, you don't hear the terror of the Lord preached too often because it's not popular. Listen, I, I promise you, I have made a commitment before God that I'm going to preach the entire counsel of the Word of God. And if it means death, so be it. I'm not going to back off. I'm going to preach it. I'm going to stand on, on, uh, against same-sex marriage. Oh, absolutely. Take the 501c3 and do whatever you want with it. We're going to stand and preach the truth. We're not going to, we're not going to yield. We're, let, let me just say this. Uh, can I take five more minutes? Just five. I'll be done. We're shifting some things. We've already done it. We've shifted some things. Why would you do that? Because we're not going to marry the same sex in this church. We're not going to do that. So how have you shifted it? We, we were ready. We're ready already. We've changed, we've changed our bylaws prior to the Supreme Court thing. They can't, they can't make us do it. We're, we're formal members are the only people that, that will marry, and you can't be a formal member unless you're in agreement with all the... And we're allowed to do that. Yeah, so look, listen. You've got to protect yourself. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe there'll come persecution. Somebody's like, no, we're all going to get raptured. You hope so. I don't know. I mean, amen. He said, let's pre-trib, pre-trib, pre-trib. Certainly not pre-trib if you're a Christian getting killed by ISIS. Just saying. You watch your kids die before you because they won't deny Christ. This one, this is reported that one Christian woman said to their, their captors as they were about to be beheaded, thank them for not covering the eyes of their children as they watched the parents get killed. And they said, we want to thank you because our children are seeing Jesus. And they know that because a group of people before that, the kids told them, you know, they saw Jesus. And so, of course, all those parents were executed. And the kids are there with the presence and the power and the glory of God resting on them. I think it's pretty tribulatory for them. Lord, we pray for the suffering Christians, Lord. We pray for the persecuted church even now. Right now, we pray. Their blood crying out from the ground right now. We pray, God. We pray that you would intervene. This demonic assignment. And Lord, the birth pains that we're in. Wars, rumors of wars. Persecution. Oh, Jesus. I got three minutes left on my five minutes. Be clear as the Apostle Paul was of what Jesus had done for us, 2 Corinthians 5, 14. Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all. Say that. One died for all. As sin came into the world through Adam, it left through the last Adam. His name is Jesus. And you need a Savior. You need a Savior. 
You said, we need a rule book. How about a rule book? We need a rule book. You don't need a set of rules. Thank God he's given us a rule book. Some called it basic instructions before leaving earth, the Bible. You, know, you thank God for the word of God, but you need more than a bunch of words on a book. And I'm not mocking it. You need a savior is what you need because you can try to obey all the rules and all the regulations. And if you've never really given your heart over to Jesus and repented of your sin, then you're not going to make it into heaven any more than, a, than standing in your, in, your, in your garage can make you a car. Swimming in the river can make you a salmon. Salvation comes to those who repent and believe. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I've got a few more points, but my time's up. If you're not right with Christ, don't mess around. Don't you leave this place. Don't leave this sanctuary without being reconciled to him. You know what's amazing to me? churches that have no altar calls and give no opportunity for salvation can I tell you how that just makes me so sad I just hope that people are going to get it or somebody's going to lead them to Christ and I hope that that happens and I know it does happen but here I believe this I believe there's a moment right now where your heart is being touched by the Holy Spirit And if you're not right with God, don't you leave this place without being reconciled, without asking him to forgive you, without saying, Lord, forgive me for what I've done, for coming face to face with your sin. You ever lied? Sure you have. You ever stolen? Yes. You ever cheated? Yes. You ever taken the Lord's name in vain? Odds are you have. You ever lusted after a person? Yes, you have. There's five of the 10 commandments. You broke them, so did I. You need a savior. Ten Commandments, the law shows us we can't do it. And Jesus came, the last Adam, as sin entered. There it is. As sin entered the world through one man, it leads through another. Second Corinthians 5, 14. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. He's talking about Jesus dying for you so you don't have to. Listen, don't play church. Don't become some religious person that just sloughs it off and eases your conscience because you came to service. Give your heart to Jesus for real. For real, give your heart to Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you, you want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time or make a recommitment to him all across this place. That's you, for real. You want to get right with God. On the count of three, slip your hand up. Come on, there's a hell to shun. There's a heaven to gain. There's a new life. There's vision that God has for you. There's a purpose, but you're separated from God because of sin. I was separated from sin. I'm forgiven. I'm washed. I'm cleansed. That's why we jump around and shout. It's the joy of the Lord that comes upon us. Come on, he's got a plan and he's got a purpose, but you're separated from that if you don't give your life to Christ. Don't be a religious person. Be somebody who truly walks with Jesus. If that's you, you want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time. You've never done that before, but you want to do it today. Or you've drifted in your walk with the Lord and you know you need to come home. You know you've got one foot in the world maybe and one foot in the kingdom and you want to sell out today. Or maybe, maybe the devil just lies to you. Says you're not saved. You're not saved. You're not going to heaven. He just lies to you and you want to be assured. If that's you, all across this place, every head bowed, every eye closed, on the count of three, I want you to slip your hand up. You're going to give your heart to Jesus for the first time, or number two, you're going to come home. You're going to give your life back to God, quit compromising. Number three, you just want to be assured of your salvation. If you fit in any of those categories, on the count of three, boldly slip your hand up. One, two, three. Do it right now. God bless you. God bless you. My goodness. God bless you. God bless you. Stand up on your feet if you raise your hand. Quickly stand up. Stand up. Stand up. And come to the front. Quickly run to the front. Run. Come. Quick. 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 Quickly come. Quickly come. Quickly come. Congregation, stand up on your feet. Come on. Stand up on your feet all across this place. Come on. Come. Keep coming. Keep coming. Come on. Put your hands together for Jesus. Come on. Keep coming. Keep coming. Come all the way close. As close to my hand as you possibly can. Come on, scooch in here. Come on. We're going to pray. And in this one moment, in this one time that we pray, believing, 
I like it, imagining it this way. Elementary school, they used to have these things called blackboard, which is probably dating me. But I was given the chore of cleaning the blackboard. I'd take a sponge and I'd just wipe that. I love doing the blackboard job. I'd leave no streaks. I'd rinse that sponge out, clean sponges, go all the way across all that whole blackboard. Imagine this, all of your sin, all of my sin, everything you've ever done wrong. Come on, every eye on me right here. Everything you've ever done wrong. Everything? Everything. You said, I've done a pile of stuff. Well, so did I. And it's like Jesus comes with a sponge of his blood and just comes over all of your lies and all of your cheating and all of your stealing and all of your sin and my sin. And he just wipes it out. The Bible says that he throws it as far as the east is from the west. And it doesn't go around the earth and hit you in the back of the head. It keeps going. The Bible says that he takes your sin and he throws it in the sea of forgetfulness. And there's no fishing in that sea. Don't, don't, go, don't go pulling that thing back up. See, some of you, I can see on your faces, is this okay? We just take a second. It's the most important part of the service. Some of you don't get it. Some of you don't understand. That's why I just preached on the blood. The blood of Jesus cleanses you. He makes you new. He washes it all away. And he makes you new born again. You must be born again. Jesus talking to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. Nicodemus says, how can, how can I be a part of the kingdom? He says, you must be born again. And Nicodemus says, what? I enter into my mother's womb a second time? He says, no. Must be born of the Spirit. It goes on. What you're going to do by making a decision. What you're going to do by making a decision to live for Jesus today. Is you're inviting him into your heart. You're inviting him into your life. See, then what has to happen is you have to, you have to grow. You have to renew your mind to find out really what Jesus has done. You're made new in your spirit, but you still have your, your, your memories. I mean, you got some memories you like to get rid of. Am I the only one? I'm not. Some other people want to get rid of some memories. Yeah. If your issues of your soul, he'll heal you of that stuff. You're, you're, you're th- there's a three-in-one God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? You're made in His image and likeness, your spirit, soul, and body. You have this, come on, there you look at your hands, that's your body. All right. That one day is going to go in the ground, disappear. Then you have your spirit, that's where Jesus comes to dwell in. Then you have your soul, your mind, your, your emotions, your memories. You're going to receive Jesus. He's going to come into your heart. He's going to come into your spirit. You still have this. Your memories. You got to, you got to renew your mind. You got to get healed. Can you say amen? But you'll have a walk with Jesus. He'll come to live inside of you. To live in you. Deity and humanity. It's the greatest, greatest miracle. Pray this right out loud. All across this place, affirm your faith. Those here, you know, there's a couple more people that need to be here. I'm sorry. It's 10 of one, lunch away. Just a few more minutes. You're here. Intercessors praying you're here. You know you need to be up here. You know you need to be up here. Come right now just get some courage and come we don't want to embarrass anybody but Jesus said if you acknowledge me before men I'll acknowledge you before my father in heaven but if you deny me I'll deny you you need to be up here come come on put your hands together for our brother come on it takes courage come on come I want you to activate the evangelist on the inside of you turn to your right turn to your left if you will in just a moment and ask him are your sins forgiven? Are you going to heaven? And if they go, uh, uh, then just say, come on, I'll go with you. And if they say, oh, yes, they'll just be excited you had the courage to do it. And if they say, no, I don't want to, then it's okay. We don't want to force anybody. Amen. You need, come on, activate the evangelist. Are you ready? Set? Go. Talk to your neighbor quickly. Quick. Talk to him. Don't go anywhere. Stay Somebody need to come. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. 
Let's pray right out loud and then service will be concluded. Say with me. Close your eyes if that helps you. Pray right out loud. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Okay, hold on a second. Do I have to do it out loud? Yes. Why? The Apostle Paul said, it's with the heart that one believes and with the mouth declares unto salvation. Is is my words important? They're absolutely crucial. Let's try that again. Are you ready? Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place and to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin, all of my lying, everything I've ever done wrong. And come into my life. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me. Cleanse me. And make me new. Give me a hunger for the Word of God. Give me hunger for fellowship with other believers. Help me to cut all ties with the enemy. Help me to cut all ties with the devil. Free me. Heal me. And use me for the purpose for which I was created. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Lift your hands. It's a universal sign of surrender. Holy Spirit, I pray right now, come, touch, break every chain, break every bondage right now. Release your power. Some of you need to forgive people. Forgive them right now. Forgive that person right now. Forgive them. Forgive that mom, your dad. Forgive people. Forgive them. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Just died for too. Forgive him. Touch and fill and bless these right now. Right now, in Jesus' name, bless. Heal, encourage, strengthen with might. Curses be broken, generational curses be broken, iniquity, depression, anxiety. Command you to go in Jesus' name. Amen. Tammy Choir, would you do me a favor, please? Y'all put your hands down. Just turn, y'all up here, just turn. Look at this lady right here. Would you raise your hand, Tammy? You're going to follow her right outside. We're going to give you a gift, and we're going to bring you back in in just a second. Would you just for a moment, we'll just take a moment of your time. Go ahead. Put your hands together for these guys. We got something for you. Just going to take a moment. You'll come right back in. Come on, put your hands together for Jesus. You satisfied Forgive me, won't you? Sometimes you just gotta gotta get after it. For all of you note takers, in conclusion, be devoted to Christ. Be devoted like the Apostle Paul. Be devoted. How's your devotion level? And and last.
lastly, live a vision-enhancing lifestyle. Be a person of prayer. Be a person of fasting. Plug in. Amen. Serve. It's nothing greater than serving God. Nothing greater than experiencing the joy of following through and walking in a vision that God has given you. You say, well, I don't have a vision. Then, then come be a part of this one. There's room. Lots of room. See yourself as a servant. It's the final thing. In Acts 27, verse 23, the apostle Paul, on a boat that's sinking, gets visited by the angel of the Lord, and he gets a word. And he comes out, and he stands in front of 256 souls that are about to go into the ocean. They're hopeless. I see our nation like that. I see our nation like a boat that's headed for the rocks. Are there any Sauls out there? Are there any Pauls? Pardon me. Anybody would stand a decree and declare, you said, God wouldn't let me go through a hard time. Oh, yes, he would. If he can trust you to preach to somebody in the midst of it to save a whole bunch of people. I'm reminded that that preacher on, on the Titanic that it's reported that he would just come up in the air and say, believe on the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved. And he went under. And he would come up, believe on the Lord Jesus, you shall be saved. It's just over and over and over. And finally he drowned. And that one woman that listened to him, this preacher, just wouldn't stop. She wondered about that as she is there in the cold of the night, freezing in the North Atlantic. Believe on the Lord Jesus. She began to think about Jesus and what he did. She gave her heart to Christ. She got saved. And then she got saved later and lived. And I'm told that started, you know, as part of churches and church planting. Listen, that's us. We have. We don't know how much time we have. Be devoted to Christ. Be a servant. Can you say amen? Did you get something? Put your together for Jesus, won't you? Take someone by the hand. Don't miss tonight. We'll continue to preach. Have revival tonight. Don't miss it. Six o'clock. Please stop by and see my dear brother, uh, Pastor Principal David Duncan and his wife there at the table for the Wasilla Lake Christian School. Pick up a pamphlet there. At least won't you pray for them and believe for God to touch their school. Amen. Uh, formal members, if you want to hear about the formal member class and come to that class this Friday, but you need to sign up the information desk right outside. Father, thank you for what you've done. Bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards them. Be gracious to them. Keep them and give them peace in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065 or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.